Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. I'm here today with Mr. Rob Counselor, uh, and he's a builder by trade right now. So uh, we're gonna—he's got a long history of doing so many things across his career. Uh, we're gonna get in depth with that, uh, but first of all, I want to welcome to the podcast. Uh, welcome, Rob. How are you today? I'm fine. It's good to be here. Good, good. Now, uh, first thing to get out of the way, you've got a nickname. I believe it's uh, Captain, right? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Just out of curiosity and interest in finding out who we're talking to, uh, tell me a little bit about your nickname. Well, yeah, in one of my previous lives, I ran a Anderson window distribution uh, outfit, and a buddy of mine just nicknamed me the captain of industry. And it kind of just, that was over 40 years ago, and it just kind of stuck since then. <laughs> that's great that's great so that's and i'm sure lots of your uh friends possibly even your family refer to you as as captain at this point uh most uh yes most do <laughs> <laughs> that's all right the name sticks it's fitting that's that's good so exactly. uh tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now you are a builder by trade uh and a general manager and um tell me about your your day-to-day operations your responsibilities and, and what you're doing yeah, what, what we're doing now is uh, my partner and I, um, we have two projects uh, currently going. We have a flip house that we bought in Brick, New Jersey, and I go there on a daily basis. I do most of the work on the flip. You know, I've done the demo, I hung the doors, did the trim work, um, you know, put windows in. I do most of it to save money. And then... Uh, when we need specialty people in, like with structural work, we bring those people in. Currently, we've got a uh, guy bathrooms there. Um, and, th- and that's the one project. And the other project, we're building a house in Island Heights. And luckily, they're only about 20 minutes from each other. So I hit, you know, both jobs. And like Island Heights, I might go first in the morning, uh, check on the subs there, make sure everything's going okay. That, that particular job, when we do build we pretty much sub everything out um so i I just check on the subs that are currently working there i meet with the homeowner make sure everything's going okay um and go on from there that's good and how long have you been uh doing these kinds of responsibilities for this company uh matt and i started this particular company we both have a building history in our past uh pelicano builders has been going on i think about 10 years now Mm-hmm. All right, good. 
and and over those 10 years and, and, and you've had prior experience, but in particular, these last 10 years, uh, I, I believe there's been a, a couple little ups and downs and some movement in the economy and maybe construction. So uh, where do you see things currently setting for the life of a builder and general manager? Well, right now, as, as most people know, the economy and, you know, people are blaming COVID for, for stubbing your toe. But honestly, you know, a lot of lumber comes from Canada. And right now we're not getting any lumber from Canada. So the lumber pricing is through the roof. Hmm. Um, that being said, some of the larger projects that we had bid on were put on hold. But on the flip side of that, people are staying in their houses and remodeling their houses. Um, so there, there's always going to be uh, a need, you know, for people like uh, my partner and myself. I mean, we do everything from the gamut. We'll, we'll do smaller jobs like bathrooms, additions, or we'll do new builds. You know, we, we've done both over the years. So we could, we've done commercial jobs. We've remodeled restaurants. You know, you have to adapt to what the market gives you. Good. So um, I imagine you're, you're doing well enough to, uh, you know, support yourself and, and, and well. So if somebody wanted to look at, you know, what you're doing today and say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Uh, you know, is, is that a recommendation or, you know, it's tough. Um, we're, Matt and I are doing okay because we have very low overhead. You know, it's just him and myself. Uh, and you know, we, we both have been fortunate that we've made money in our past in previous endeavors. So, I mean, we, we don't need to make a ton of money right now. Sure, we'd like to, but we don't need to. And we don't go out there and price jobs crazy. I mean, we still give people, you know, a fair price uh, for what they're going to get from us. Um, coming into it, you know, you just have to be able to work hard, like in any any position, uh, any, any job. I mean, you, you, you know, like if you own a restaurant, which Matt and I have done, you know, you got to be ready to put in 14-hour days, six days a week, you know. Uh, you know, in our business, you know, we do all, you know, I do all the bookkeeping, you know, I, I do the payroll, I pay the bills, you know, we're just really a two-man operation for the most part. So you, you just got to be ready to, uh, you know, you don't have to have a ton of knowledge. I mean, you can sub everything out if you want, but it, it helps if you know what you're doing, obviously. And so that being said, that's, uh, that's an interesting point you bring up, and that's probably my next question. To be a successful uh, manager of this construction business, the partner in the business that you're doing right now, and all that you do, including the, the bookkeeping and managing people, checking on the subs and, and understanding the construction and the process. Tell me a little bit about your skills that, you know, to, to be in your position right now that you came into this with and, and knowing and, and maybe honing a little bit. Um, what are those skills that you need to be successful right now? Well, again, you know, I, ever since I was, you know, a teenager, I've been, you know, kind of, you know, I would build things. And my grandfather was, a, you know, built a few houses over the years. My father built a few houses over the years. Not not in our capacity. They up everything out. But I kind of grew up doing it. Um, so I learned the trade from that. And I, every job that we do, you know, I still learn something new. I mean, as technology changes products change so you have to be willing to adapt with what it throws you uh on the bookkeeping side you know you just you kind of learn by doing you know it's trial and error so many times um everybody makes a mistake uh you just got to put on your big boy pants and fix it um you know and, and uh go on good okay so 
let's do that flashback right now. Let's let's see what your influences were and kind of talk about your upbringing and how you got to be where you are right now. So I understand you grew up in uh, northern New Jersey. I believe it was Franklin Lakes and Wayne. Uh, yeah, I went to uh, I started in, in Wayne, uh, and then when I was a freshman in high school, we moved to Franklin Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we had our family had that Anderson distribution business, so I started working there when I was 15, and I worked there for about damn almost 40 years. Um, you know, in in every capacity, you know, I started out in the warehouse putting product away, started driving trucks, became the shipping dispatcher, moved to the office inside sales, became the office manager, and just pro- moved up the ladder from there. We took over a place in Texas. I ran Texas for about 15 years. Um, and all, and that was my full-time job. I was still on the side. You know, every time I would buy a house, I'd remodel it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, put additions on, change the windows, put new doors in, and just learn by keep on doing good good i i definitely have a, a number of questions uh, i want to ask you about those positions you had at anderson windows and and do that but but first i want to i want to dig in a little bit deeper here that, that you've had some influences growing up and and maybe you've had some previous jobs when you were a teenager middle school high school uh but yet you're kind of looking at at these people whether you're truly looking at them or not or for career and future and, and who knows but uh, if nothing else, then subconsciously you're getting this influence and understanding what it is to work hard and be successful and, and you know, not only bring home a paycheck, but have a career. So uh, who are the people around you that are most influential for you for those aspects? You know, I would probably say uh, my father and my grandfather for the most part. Um, I grew up a lot with my grandfather. He he had two daughters. He didn't have any sons, and I was the oldest son from my father's side. So he naturally took me in, and he taught me. You know, he told me how to drive a car, how to drive a stick. He, uh, you know, he had a workshop in his basement. We would make together. We would uh, do projects around the house. And then, you know, my father, you know, he you know, he worked hard at his business. He was like always what, the first one in the office, like the last one to leave. You know, mm-hmm. and then followed uh, in those footsteps whenever any job i've ever had i never asked anybody to work harder than i would work you know i mean i would like i said when i had the when i was running the operation i was the first one in the office i'd get there around six o'clock and i would work till six or seven at night um you know so just you lead by example okay that's great that's great so, all right, now in this entry-level position here, uh, you said you were 15, you started to go to work for the family business, which is Anderson Windows, and uh, what at, at 15, what are you doing right there? When I was 15, obviously I was still in high school, so it was summer help, so I would uh, started out actually repairing damaged doors. You know, back then we had a huge interior door business, they would come in by freight car, and it was an old building, you know, we we you know we'd empty them by the freight car, put them on dollies, take them down ramps, put them away, and of course doors would get damaged during the process. So I, you know, our shop foreman pulled me aside and showed me how to repair damaged doors. So for two summers, when I was 15 and 16, before I could drive, that's what I did. I, I would repair damaged doors and then put them back in stock. Hmm. Now that that's interesting right there. So, all right, a couple of questions. As an entry level employee in a place like Anderson Windows, you know, is that kind of a, a typical entry level job, or you know, what are, what other jobs are there for entry level employees? 
Uh, well, again, that was basically, you know, it was summer help, and that's pretty much what summer help did back then. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, you know, if all the doors were repaired, then they would teach me how to put windows together. So I would put windows together, you know, and we would put inventory away. It was, um, you know, it was, you know, when you're summer help, you get the grunt jobs that nobody else wants to do. So. <laughs> That's okay. You you had mentioned the the foreman took you aside and showed you what to do. Uh, how important it is is it for in, in a in a job like that that uh, the foreman uh, is is showing people what to do and and how do they do that? Yeah, well, they they would again, you know, doors would you know doors would get damaged. Depending on whether they be damaged, they were they were damaged on the 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 face of the door. Um, uh, tricks of the trade. You would take uh, if there was a dent in the door, the door being wood. You would take um, a piece of um, cloth, soak it in water, and so and let it sit on that door because then the the, the grain would raise, so the dent would actually raise where you could sand it out and it would be flush again. Um, if it was too deep, then you'd have to put it, you know, you'd have to fill it with wood putty and sand it down that way. Um, if corners would kind of be chipped out, you'd have to kind of not notch out where the chip was and glue a piece of wood back in. Um, you know, just little tricks like that. Good, good. So a lot of uh, finer woodworking techniques. Yeah. Uh, good. Okay. And then you moved up in that company. Obviously, uh, I see job titles such as shipping foreman or office manager, even operations manager. What's the difference yep. between those jobs if people are looking at it and say, oh, well, maybe that's a career path I'd like to follow in a company similar to that? Well, well the foreman, this was back before a computer. So, I mean, you would have to... Uh, you know, all the trucks, you know, the tickets would come out of the office with the product to be delivered the next day. And then you'd have to, you know, we had like, back then we had maybe 12 different truck routes. So you would take the tickets, you know, sign them to the, because you would know the geographic area you were going. you take the tickets, put them on the clipboard for the truck the next day. Then you'd give it to the pickers and they would go out and pick the particular products, windows, doors, moldings, whatever's going on the truck. Um and then, you know, they would go out, and then when the trucks come back, you check the tickets again, make sure every, all the tickets are accounted for, uh, make sure all the product was delivered. If not, there was a back order. You find out why it was a back order. If it was damaged on the truck, whether it was missing, whatever, misloaded. Um, and then, you know, pretty much on a daily basis, that's, that's what you do with the shipping form. Um, office manager, you're, you're obviously you're in the office, you know, managing, you know. Back then, most of the, all the orders came in over the phone. So you have six or eight people taking phone calls um and again you just manage the day-to-day office operations you know making sure everything's going smoothly there's no headaches going on like uh, you know work at work with the work at, again in conjunction with the shipping foreman um and just make sure everything's going smoothly good okay and then obviously as uh Getting more time in the company and responsibilities, I see uh, titles such as vice president and president. So then, yeah. then you have a, a different view of things and and daily yeah. responsibilities. We had at one point we had over three hundred people working in our operation. So I mean, as you, as you move up to like a move up to operations manager, then you're kind of in charge of all the operations, except the office, pretty much. But all the shipping, the receiving, the the shop where you would build the product. Um, you know, dealing with the vendors uh, and also dealing with customers. You know, if there was a mistake on the truck, you know, customer would call up, you know, hey, I needed this today. Then you'd find a way to get it down to them today. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Good. 
then we bought, you know, we bought two places in Texas. So I was put in charge of the Texas operations, one in Austin, one in Dallas. And I would pretty much commute every other week down to Texas to uh, monitor those operations. Hmm. That's a pretty big commute. Yeah, it's a pretty big commute, but, you know, and you get used to it after a while. That's great. So how long uh, did you stay there then, and, and when did you leave? Well, again, I was with Black Mill. Black Mill was the name of the company when we sold Anderson Windows. Um, what happened was in the maybe 15 years ago, Anderson decided to take over distribution for themselves. Um, and they started you know, around the country. We knew it was coming. Um, so basically Anderson being, you know, 80% of the business, the, once Anderson took the distribution back from all of the independent distributors, which we were, uh, it was really tough to make a go of it. So then that operation closed up. Um, and then I went into, I don't even know if I put this down on the, on the paperwork. I became an independent sales rep for a while, my own company. I started by myself. Uh, zero sales, and I built it up to annual sales of about $2 million. Um, and what, what types of products are you selling? Again, I sold um, fireplace mantles. I sold fiberglass entry doors. I sold wood paneling. Um, those were the biggest lines. I was a manufacturer's rep, so what I my, my job at that point was to go out and find new customers for these products I would call them the customers on a weekly basis. And I, I pretty much covered the Eastern Sea. I went from Virginia uh, out to Long Island, you know, and everything right. in between. So a lot of driving and all, but um, when you're starting a business, you put the time in again. And just making sure that the orders are going smoothly, making sure everybody's got uh, literature. Uh, when their new products were out, you know, I'd have samples to bring out to people, uh, make sure they have all updated pricing, um, you know, on a daily basis, that's what you do. Sure. So how was that transition for you? How are you going from uh, that business that you knew for a long time and then uh, and working for somebody else, uh, essentially being the, the builder's rep and, and selling to other people? I mean, was that a, a big transition for you? or it, For me, it was because I knew the customers anyway from being in the business. All the, it was the same customers that I dealt with, you know, at, at Black Miller. It was all the same lumberyards for the most part. Uh, different customers. Um, not perhaps lumberyards, but specialty shops. But, you know, again, from, from knowing everybody and, and knowing the products, you know, and, you know, if you're comfortable with what you're doing, you know, you can do anything, really. Good. And how long were you doing that? I did that for about three years. And then I got into the restaurant business with uh, my friend Matt Malcano. And, um, so so that, a, that's very interesting. You're, you're, you're selling building materials and, uh, you know, doing that for a, a good amount of time, but then you, is this, how does this come about that you, that you get into the restaurant business and building restaurants? Well, well, Maddie, again, my partner in the building business in another previous life of his, he owned restaurants up North. Mm -hmm. So he had restaurant experience. Um, I, yeah, you know, I didn't have any restaurant experience really just really going out to them so but um you know again I, you know you put the work in you can learn anything so we it took us a while it took us almost a year till we found a place and we found a place in in brick new jersey and um bought it and um 
you know, I pretty much, you know, Maddie ran the kitchen and, and you know, the service for the most part. I took care of the bar and, and again, the paperwork because I've, I've done the, you know, the, you know, the bookkeeping and all that because I was doing that for my other companies anyway. So I was very familiar with that. And again, it's, it's you just learn by doing, you know, you, you know, you can't be afraid to you know, jump in and you jump in. Of course, we make mistakes. We made a few mistakes, but we had the unfortunate timing of buying that restaurant four months before Sandy hit the Jersey shore. Mm-hmm. And ironically, because of my previous experience in the building industry, you know, and we were on the water, but you know, the day the storm was coming, I went and I caulked all the doors tight with caulk. So water came up to the building. No water came in the building. That's great. So we didn't, yeah. So we didn't have any actual physical damage, but um, the problem was you know, the next summer, Nobody came down to the New Jersey shore. So business fell off tremendously. So uh, we decided, so we sold the restaurant and we decided to get back to what we both liked doing, which was building. And so we started our building company at that point. Good. So suffice it to say, if uh, people did come back, you you might still be, uh, you know, enjoying a, owning a restaurant and, and doing that, right? You know, and you're right. And off and on over the years, we have looked at various restaurants. You know, um, we almost got back into it a couple of times. And then, you know, I, I look at Matt and I say, you know, Matt, you know, we're in our mid-60s. I said, you know, I mean, let's just stick with the building bit. As we know that, <laughs> you know, we can control our hours if we want. If we don't want to work the weekend, we don't have to. Right. You know, it's life's a little bit easier. And, you know, and actually, ironically, we both met our, our wives, our at that restaurant I was divorced and Matt was divorced and uh we both met our future wives at that restaurant so that kind of worked out okay there you go I, I I my next two questions for you and and I think I can almost answer it for you but I don't want to um is kind of like the best thing about being in a restaurant business and the worst thing about being in the restaurant business I know you just probably hit on two very good things but but I, unless you want to surprise me what's what's the worst thing about being in the restaurant business Honestly, the worst thing about the restaurant business is the hours. I mean, if you own it, you got to be there because um, you can't trust anybody. I mean, I don't care how what kind of security system you have at the bar, what kind of cameras you have. They bartenders, if it's in their nature, will find a way to, to steal money, hmm. uh, either by giving drinks out for free, getting bigger tips, or or just taking from the till. They'll, they they find a way to do it. So you really have to be there to watch that. I mean, that that's the tough. Um, good parts are, hey, look, you know, Matt and I are both sociable people, and we met a lot of people at the restaurant, customers and employees mm. that, that we're still friends with. Um, it was uh, it was a great experience. I mean, I, I've, you know, moved down to this area, didn't know a lot of people, but after having that restaurant for, you know, about a year or two, we had it. Um, met a lot of people, met my current wife. Everything's uh, going great there. Um and it's, you know, it's, if you're a social person, you know, it's a fun business to be in. Sure. That makes sense. All right. So you sold that business. You got back into just concentrating on building. And did you start with the, uh, the flipping in the houses at that point? Or? No, we started with, again, uh, it's funny. Our first jobs were very small jobs. I mean, like maybe hanging a door here or putting a window in there, you know, just because we're just getting back into it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started, you know flipping houses a couple of years ago and 
I, it's funny. Uh, I, I talked to Matt, and people can be sometimes very demanding uh, when you're working for them. And uh, I just, I'm getting, because you're, you're almost like you're working for somebody. I've never really, really worked for anybody, really. Um, so I just, Matt and I just made a decision really about a month or so ago. We're just going to focus on flips going forward because, you know, we can make, we can make as much money doing a flip as we can doing a new build. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done quicker, uh, we're working for ourselves and it, there's, there's no headaches, you know, it's, we can control it. We can control it. Um, so, I mean, it's not, not to say we won't do any new builds, but we're going to concentrate more on flips, uh, going forward. It just seems that, you know, it's tough to find them now because, as everyone knows, the market is exploding, so it's really hard to find a good flip. Right. Because so many people, like all those TV shows, everybody flips houses and everybody thinks you can make a ton of money. <laughs> uh, it's not as easy as the TV shows, obviously, but um, if you know what you're doing and you buy right, you can't make good money out of it. So what are some of the those little trade secrets about flipping houses? And, you know, what are the things you look for? When you say, yeah, this, this is going to be a good venture here because it has these elements of it. Well, again, the, the main thing with flips is, is, is buying right. Now, I've, I've got software that I have that I can, um, in any part of the country, I, I can look up and I can find houses that are in, you know, in foreclosure. I can find houses that are behind on taxes, um, you know, houses that have been on the market for a while for sale by owner. You know, I can, you know, I put in the variables into the software that I have and I can pretty much find, um, you know, a, a lot of different houses. Again, you still have, and they, you're competing against other people, obviously, but um, the fact that we have, you know, close quickly because we have money. Uh, so we don't have to really, you know, some we finance, some we do on our own. Uh, the ones that we do on our own, you know, we can close very quickly. You know, it makes it more opportunistic for the for the seller because, you know, we can close fast with cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, you also try and get, you know, get a hold of wholesalers. Now, everybody sees the signs on the side of the road. We buy houses for cash. Right. Those guys, they're wholesalers. Um, so they, they're doing the same thing we're trying to do, um, but they're not going to realtors. So you hook up with local wholesalers that, you know, they develop an inventory of properties that they're trying to sell as well. And the key is just buying right. That's the most important thing. And also, you know, look at the house before you buy. I've looked at some houses that we've passed on that have been absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, I, I know what we can do. I know what I can do. Um, so I, we, I don't want to get in over our heads if we don't have to. Because, you know, they're, the ones that are out there, you just have to find them. Right. Yeah, there's there's definitely people out there doing it. So you're you're amongst a, a good business and people that are that are looking to make a living out of doing that and, yep. and they do so that's fine so how is it what's the what's the good parts about working then for other customers and doing their custom homes you mean working for like well, like a new build you mean or yeah yeah or or whatever renovations or whatever else you well, might be doing the house, the house that we're doing now um the homeowner is you know he's not you know a ball buster uh but he kind of is anxious to get it done. You know, when you're when you're doing a new build, you got to balance the trades. You know, everybody. You know, we, we as I said, we sub everything out, so we don't have people that work for us. So you know, I got to get my electrician, my plumber, my sheetrocker, my tiler, my framer, my interior trim guy. You know, and you know, they're obviously not waiting for. They have a ton of people that work for us, so we have to. You know, some a week or two, 
where nothing's going on mm -hmm. in the house. And the owner gets frustrated and you try and tell him, well, we got delayed here, so this guy took another job. You know, it's it's a balance. Talking about uh, the subs that you hire and your experience over the years with subs, and obviously if you're talking about residential construction, maybe even the restaurant business and commercial, that there is a variety of trades that you've come across. So um, tell me a little bit more about uh, the subs, the experience, and you know, a lot of the, the people that might even hear this podcast might be entry-level tradespeople that, that are looking to get some experience in there. Uh, what's hot? You know, what, what, what should we be looking for? What should people go into uh, for a good job or lucrative career? It's, you know, again, we've been doing this for a while now, so we pretty, pretty, we pretty much use the same subs that we currently have. But again, it was a trial and error period. Um, you know, my first, my first, I, if I send out something to get bid on, acknowledge the fact that you got it and, and bid into me as quickly as you can. I mean, sometimes, I mean, we had a great HVAC guy for a while, but all of a sudden he just kind of fell off the face. Maybe he got too busy. I don't know, but we would send him blueprints to bid on. He wouldn't get back to it. So the main, the big thing is communication. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you can't do it, let me know. If you can do it, but you're, you need a week to give you the quote. Let me know. I mean, that's all I asked for. I mean, just a simple response. And then uh, the other pet peeve that we have is neatness on the job. I mean, we've had subs that were slobs that would not clean up after themselves. Like we want everybody on a daily basis to clean up after themselves. We, we have dumpsters there. You know, we have rooms there. We want the job room swept at the end of the day. Um, and we want to, we want our guys to be neat. You know, and that's just, you know, if, if you're a slob at the job, then, uh, then your work is going to be sloppy, too. Um, if you're if you're professional, if you clean up after yourself every day, you know, your work is going to be good. So, I mean, your actions dictate what you do. Good. That's good advice. Now, what about uh, working with uh, new technology and, uh, you know, smart home building, high efficiency, uh, all that stuff? So there, I imagine there's a, a greater demand on, on things like that, too, that you're offering some of your customers or looking to build into you, your own homes or flips? Yeah, there. Well, you know, the window business has sure come a long way over the years. I mean, the between... Uh, and since I had window experience, and even though I was in the window business for like 40 years, I mean, the stuff they have out now is uh, the sizes that are available, the available, the glass that's available, new feature windows. I mean, that's a big thing. Insulation's come a long way. Uh, they've increased the insulation, obviously. Uh, the R values, uh, spray foam, you know, is more now than any place else. Um, you know, plumbing used to be all copper. Now, most of it's all text which is like a, a plastic type of pipe um you know you know wood basically is still wood and shingles is still shingles but um it's and you got to keep up with it um you know you, you, i get the trade magazines uh, we go to trade shows to learn about new items that are coming out um it's just you, you, you have to keep up with with the industry and the changes in it okay good so <clears throat> here's here's some of my curious questions are about, you know, some of the younger people coming in here or even the people very young that are just learning about careers. And, and maybe there's that middle school student or that freshman or sophomore in high school that says, you know, it's someday I, I might want to be a builder. But, you know, there's obviously some kind of pathway to, to get there. And where you're at right now, you can kind of look back and maybe it's not necessarily 
your particular pathway, maybe it is. Uh, but there's lots of ways to get to, to these types of places. So what kind of advice would you give to this young person that's looking way down the line and said, yeah, someday I'd like to do that. But what, what's your advice for kind of getting there? Well, you know, I don't know. Like when I was in high school, we had shop class. And I took shop class, you know, every year from freshman up to senior, um, different thing. And we made, we made tables. I mean, we, it was, I don't know if we teach shop class anymore. Um, maybe you have to go to a specialized school for that. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but you know, the, if you're, if you want to get into it, obviously, you know, there's so much on the internet, on, on YouTube, there's, there's basic introductory things, you know, just, you know, get out there and, you know, Get, get a hammer, get a saw, and, you know, build a table, build a bird bath, build, um, you know, don't, don't, you know, try and be careful. I mean, I've got, believe me, I've got stitches all over myself. I'm cutting here. I'm cutting myself there. Be careful, obviously. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, make sure you have a tetanus shot all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, if you want to do it, um, again, there, there's, you just can't be afraid of making a mistake. Just go out there and, you know, my son, um, my oldest son, uh, has a full-time job, but he is also now doing uh, construction jobs on the side. You know, he watched for me. He helped me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always helpful if you have somebody that can influence you, like I helped my son. Sure. You know, my son, he does additions on his own now. He's remodeling his own house. I mean, uh, he's very, again, but he's a lot, a lot of it, you know, he's learning by, you know, by himself. You know, I've got another son that doesn't know how to use a hammer um <laughs> you know so it uh, but it, it, he was interested in it, my son and uh so it, sometimes on jobs I, i'll go up he lives up in north jersey he lives up in the uh, bergen county you know if he's jammed up and i got time i'll go up there for a couple of days and help him out you know and it's fun working with the kid so hopefully uh if somebody wants to get into it hopefully there's an influencer in their life that could help him get there yeah so you mentioned they kind of doing it on the side does it uh, do they have a full-time occupations that are different well, his full-time job, he sells, again, he's in the industry. Mm-hmm. He sells moldings for his full-time job. Okay. So, he, and, uh, but he, on the weekends and like after work, sometimes he'll go out, you know, he'll take a weekend job, like maybe from a model of bathroom or put a couple of doors and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's, I can relate to that. I've, uh, had a handyman business on the side for a while and, uh, did, did different things. I was trained as an electrician in the Navy. And so, uh, a lot of those skills have come in handy, not only for my own homes and what I was doing sure. and we've renovated two and built another one. Uh, but that can also be a lucrative side business as well. So, uh, yeah, good, good stuff. So I'll, I'll help answer actually your previous question that, uh, good news and bad news about teaching shop in schools these days is that most comprehensive schools, uh, middle schools and even comprehensive high schools have, uh, for the most part done away with a lot of their shop classes, unfortunately. I thought they did. And that's a shame. You know, it's, you know, you should teach real life experiences in high school. I mean, you know, they, yeah, some of what they teach you, you're never going to learn. Need, you know, they, they teach people how to use a checkbook for Christ's sake. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we've, um, we're we coming full circle on some of those things. So uh, part of the reason that it has gone out in the comprehensive schools is because um, they are a little more expensive to run. You know, you can put a 
just an academic class in and all you need are maybe some computers, laptops or Chromebooks and, you know, desk and chairs where a shop class, you actually need materials and saws and machines. And, but most importantly, and the hardest of all is you actually have to have qualified people to teach those classes. And, and, um, they're, they've been doing away with, uh, the educational programs of making teachers for shop classes. Uh, so it's very limited and, and that's been a tough part. However, I will now deliver the good news. The good news is that, uh, there's career and technical education, which is kind of the, the newest revolution of what used to be vocational education. And, you know, the kids that kind of used to go, the stigma that used to be vocational education, that was the, the dirty shops and the schools that those other kids went to. Uh, you know, they went to vocational school or whatever. I went to vocational school when I was in high school. I graduated in 1985, but I went for automotive technician. Uh, and they're alive and well. You know, here in the state of New Jersey, there's uh, 21 uh, counties and 21 county vocational technical schools. And, uh, you know, we're doing, in my particular district, we're doing over 30 programs for students that do range from a lot of the traditional programs, such as construction and carpentry, electrical, uh, you know, welding, and, and a lot of that, but as well as newer programs in global logistics, supply chain management, finance, physical therapy, uh, healthcare, uh, you know, and, and many other programs that, that we have. So it really covers the gamut of things. But if students really, really want to get those skills and are thinking about that and exactly what you're talking to right now, uh, yes, they, they are still available in the county vocational technical schools. There are some comprehensive schools still having some programs. I don't want to diss them all. I, I taught in one for uh, over a dozen years down in Ocean Township, uh, but I'm uh, doing, you know, enjoying myself very much at a county vocational technical school in New Jersey. And the focus is still there, that we want to teach students the the right skills to get out and get entry-level jobs and enter good careers. And hopefully that's what you're going to see out there in some of your subs and maybe even some of your competitors, right? That's great. So that's, that's, that's what we're hoping for, and that's exactly who – we're kind of directing this podcast towards some of those uh, majority of, of some of those people that are uh, entering some of those programs. Uh, there's other technical uh, post-secondary programs that are out there and even county uh, colleges that, that offer a lot of technical classes. Uh, some of it in construction and carpentry and building and as well as some of the other trades. Uh, so, you know, maybe the people out there that are going to listen to this can be influenced and uh, educated by your words of advice, your story, and the things that happen between the bullet points, really, that made you go from one job to another or learn things and apply right. to another. So uh, any last-minute uh, thoughts or pieces of advice to, to pass on before we go? You know, just, you know, go out there and give it your best. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, if you, again, if you mess up, just pick up your big boy pencil and fix it. You know, and, and be honest and be honest. So you make a mistake, don't lie to your customer. Tell them you made a mistake, and you'll do what you do to fix it. I mean, that that's it. You know, integrity is, is so important these days. Perfect. That's a great piece of advice. I really appreciate it. Rob Counselor, uh, the captain, thank <laughs> you so much for this interview, and uh, it's going to get posted, and you're going to help influence a number of people out there. So I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. Take care. Bye. 
That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.